Hey, good morning, friends. It's good to see you. I'm Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm really glad to see you being very nice and greeting each other. Uh, welcome to you if you're joining us from home. Uh, I just want to take a moment and say that I'm so grateful for our um, worship teams. Uh, I get such joy from working with everybody who's in our uh, worship arts ministry. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to preach and not have to also lead the music as well. So thank you, team, for leading us so well. It's one of my favorite things to worship and song together. We're following a Bible reading plan as a church, and the main scripture passages that we're going to look at today are from that Bible reading plan. We've made the readings available to you in your program. Uh, you can also uh, get those from our app, our church app, River Heights Vineyard Church, and they're available in the life group wall area out there too. The idea is, if you want, you could be reading along in scripture verses, and then when we get to the ones that I'm preaching on, you will have an opportunity to already know what those are, if you like. Um, and so this week, I was thinking fondly of a vehicle I used to have. It was a 1997 Jeep Grand Cherokee, Cherokee Laredo, and I got it in 2003, so I got it used. And technically, my dad went and got it for me. He knew I needed a car, and he knew a used car dealer in town. And so he got the used car dealer to take him to one of the car auctions. And then when he saw the one that he, was, that he thought that was going to be for me, he had his friend bid on it. And that's how it ended up being mine. It looked almost exactly like that. Black and awesome, and it had some nice pinstriping, and it could carry my gear, which was great, and it did great in the snow and it had a, uh, an engine that people really thought was great. However, in this particular vehicle, the week after I got it, I was taking it on a trip to Chicago to go to a vineyard conference with a friend of mine, and we got halfway into Wisconsin, and it started sounding real bad. And uh, I remember calling my dad on the phone and saying, it's making this noise, and, and having him listen. He's like, turn that off. <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, <laughs> I, I, got the, I got the Jeep towed to a rental car place, and we still wanted to go to the conference. So we rented a vehicle, and my friend and I went to the conference and then arranged to meet my dad back at the disabled vehicle on the way back home. My dad had gotten a trailer, and so my job was to get the vehicle up on the trailer, okay? And so the engine was not sounding good, and in its last hurrah of life, that engine got up on the trailer, made horrible noises, and the piston even like blew itself out of the engine and landed on the ground. It was intense and would have been awesome if it wasn't mine. So, um, so that engine obviously needed to be replaced if I was going to keep driving it. And my parents were so awesome because they actually made it so that it could be replaced with an engine that had less miles on it. It was actually, you know, a newer engine. And it did great until December 30th, 2009. And I remember this date because I knew what we were doing. My mom and I were driving up to the cabin uh, to hang out with some friends. Um, it was our family, sorry. We were going up for family time at the cabin. And we were in a snowstorm and we were on I-94, and things were going so slowly. And I remember I was actually telling my mom, 
this vehicle is great. I'm so glad that we replaced the engine because even though it's kind of old, I think I could drive this for a very, very, very long time. At that time, a semi-truck driver was not paying attention and just came plowing into a bunch of cars. And one of those cars hit me, smashed the back of mine, and shoved me forward. So I drove forward a bit because it, it was craziness. It was pretty scary. And I pulled over to the side, and, um, and I realized, you know, like my back window was gone and everything. And I, drew, I walked back to just see if everyone was okay. And I looked over to my right, and my mom's suitcase was like sitting in, the, <laughs> in I-94. And I, I got the suitcase back. I don't, I don't think there was any way I was going to find it other than that. So everyone was okay. Um, but I did find a picture of the Jeep right there. So um, that was the last photo, my last time with my Jeep, Grand Cherokee Laredo. I was pretty bummed out. I remember just feeling like I don't want a replacement vehicle. I was just being so glad about what I had. But I had no choice. I had to let it go. Had to let the Jeep go. Now, I could have told a story about letting go of a person or a relationship in my life or maybe a dream that I've had that hasn't come to pass yet. Um, could have told a story about different bands that I've been in and how hard it's been to let go of bands that you put so much effort into and that things don't work out. But have you ever been forced to give up something that you really loved? I'm pretty sure that all of us have. And I'm pretty sure all of us have had to give up something that we love that was more important than a vehicle. God says he's especially near to people in those times. Psalm 34:18 says, "The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed." So it sucks when we have no choice but to give up something that we love. It's very difficult. But I am so comforted that God wants to be near us and promises to be near us at those times. So especially if you're in a time where you've been dealing with that, know that the Lord is saying, I am especially near to you. But what about times when we do have a choice about what we give up? Does following God ever lead us to choose to give up something we love? That's what we're going to talk about today. Does God ever call, call us excuse me, to choose to lose? Can you say it with me? Choose to lose. Does God ever call us to choose to lose? Here at River Heights, you heard it in the announcements, our church purpose is to help a growing number of people love God, love people, and change the world in doing so. And our church purpose does not start with saying, we're here to help a growing number of people be loved by God. You notice it doesn't say that? I think it's because being loved by God is not a choice we have. God loves every single person with a deep passion. God loves you, whether you want God to love you or not, whether you know it or not. You don't have a choice to opt in or opt out of his love. But we do get to choose the things that are listed in our RHV church purpose. Those are choosable. God invites and allows us to opt in or opt out of loving him back. Doesn't he? 
God allows us to opt in or opt out of loving people the way that God does. And God also allows us to opt in or opt out of changing the world with the love that we receive from God. Sean Covey, who is, the, who is an author and he's the president of education for Franklin Covey, he has a great quote. It says, saying yes to one thing means saying no to another. That's why decisions can be hard sometimes. Amen. We live in a culture of get, get, get. Have you noticed that? So this can be hard for us to hear sometimes. Uh, we can become unaware that every choice that we're making to get something is also a choice to not get something else. That's like not necessarily pleasant for a lot of us in our culture to think about. So my choosing to get more of God mean choosing on purpose to lose something else? The answer is yes. God calls us to choose to lose some things. Today's Bible plan readings fit nicely with the season of the church calendar that we're in. Uh, it's called Lent, and if you didn't know it was Lent before you got here, it's been up on the screen, so uh, it tipped you off. We have, a week and a half ago, begun Lent with uh, Ash Wednesday. We had an Ash Wednesday service here, and it was awesome. Seventy, more than 70 of you came to that. Becca preached, the youth did all the scripture readings, and we did some stuff together. We asked God if there was a luxury or a comfort we could fast from, and that's just give up for a time, or something to add to our lives as a sacrifice uh, to God for the next six weeks leading up to Easter. And we make opportunities for that because uh, this fasting stuff uh, leads up to Easter, which is like the big, big party, right? Now, on some level, every Sunday is a party. We're reminded of God's love and what God has done for us, right? But we make special effort on Easter to have it be a party day, to be super-duper reminded and celebrate that Jesus has risen from the dead, that he is alive now, and that he offers new life to every single one of us. But during Lent, leading up to it, we get a chance to remember that Jesus gave up everything for us. Jesus chose to lose so much in order to get us. Jesus chose to lose a lot in order for you to be here. And that's why in Lent we ask God if there's something in our daily lives that we could give up or do to remind us and draw us into prayer as we miss that thing. So that's how that is supposed to work. Jesus has a great promise for us as we give things up with a goal of knowing him. We're not talking about just giving up stuff willy-nilly randomly. We're talking about giving up things in order to get more of God. Jesus promises this to us if we do that. Matthew 10, 39 says, If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, for Jesus, you will find it. This promise puts a choice in front of us. God has the most amazing life for you, and I am not saying that God has an easy life for you. But God has an amazing life for you, one full of love. But we don't automatically get the life that God has and hopes for us. It doesn't magically happen. Jesus says we have to lose our life in order to get the life that God has for us. And this idea is all over the place in Scripture. 
Uh, Jesus tells a parable about a man who finds a treasure in a field, and he excitedly sells everything that he has so that he can, build, he can buy that field and have the treasure that's in it. And then right after that, Jesus tells a parable about a merchant who finds an amazing pearl and is glad to sell it, sell everything else in order to buy that pearl, which is the best and most expensive one. Jesus promises this. Whatever God invites or asks you to choose to lose will result in you finding more life, not less life. And so we're going to come back to this scripture that, where Jesus is talking later. But first, I want to talk a little bit about profits. Not profits the businesses make, but profits as in the people that God sends as messengers with messages from God for people to help them. Today's Old Testament reading is found in Jeremiah chapter 26. God sends the prophet Jeremiah to give a message to the people of Jerusalem. God tells Jeremiah to go to the temple where everyone worships, and then he's to announce really loudly that they have a choice. If the people don't choose to start listening to all the prophets that God's been sending and stop being evil to each other, God's going to destroy the temple and the city of Jerusalem. God is quoted in verse 3 saying, Perhaps they will listen and turn from their evil ways. Then I will change my mind about the disaster I'm ready to pour out on them because of their sins. God's talking about wrecking something right here, but can you hear God's heart, God's Father heart in this? It actually sounds kind of kind, like maybe they'll listen this time. Maybe, I can maybe I'll change my mind. I can change my mind. I will. It's kind of like a parent who has given a toy to a child, and it's a great toy, but the child keeps on smacking people with it, right? That's not what the toy is for. I gave it to you as a gift, but if you don't quit hurting people with it, I'm going to take away the toy. That's what a good parent would do. And so in verse uh, uh, 26, 7 through 9, we're going to pick it up. This is what happens. The priests, the prophets, and all the people listened to Jeremiah as he spoke in front of the Lord's temple when he gave them this choice. What do you think is going to happen next? But when Jeremiah had finished his message, saying everything the Lord had told him to say, the priests and prophets and all the people at the temple mobbed him. Kill him, they shouted. What right do you have to prophesy in the Lord's name that this temple will be destroyed like Shiloh? What do you mean saying that Jerusalem will be destroyed and left with no inhabitants? And all the people threatened him as he stood in front of the temple. The religious leaders and the people of Jerusalem at this point were living for themselves. And it says we're being told that they were, you know, living in ways that are evil. They were misusing their lives. And God's saying, stop using the life that I gave you for this. But the first response that people have here is that they get mad enough to want to kill Jeremiah. It's like, not my temple, not my city. Especially when they're like, this is God's temple, this is God's city. How could you ever say that this could be like wrecked? Has anyone else besides me ever reacted this way to God? if you have a sense that God is asking you to give something up or that something's not going to go well if we don't change something. Not my time, 
not my plan, uh, not my right to do what I want with my life, not my toy that you gave me, right? Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you read on your own the end of what happens next in Jeremiah 26. It's going to be in the tips. Um, but people get a choice, and it's interesting to watch what happens after that. Now, as we heard in uh, Pete's message last week, Jesus is the only person who's ever been able to listen to God and to live his life in perfect love and in perfect submission to God. He's the only one who's been able to completely and fully resist every uh, temptation that the devil has thrown at him. Jesus could have gained a lot by giving in to those temptations. Like in the moment, Jesus was hungry. He would have not been hungry very suddenly. He would have had bread, right? In the moment, he would have stopped being vulnerable. He could have jumped off something and the angels would have, it would have been awesome, right? He would have been like, I am indestructible. And in that moment, he would have ruled the world. He could have had the world that way on the devil's terms. But he would have also lost God's plan for his life and would have lost the plan for your life and my life, the plan for all of humanity. A few of you know that in the last five months, I've been going through the Ignatian exercises. Um, it's the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. I've been doing that with my spiritual director, meeting with my director on Zoom every week. The exercises are meant to help you know Jesus better by following, following Jesus through his life in the Bible. And then each day then I have an opportunity to consider how Jesus' example speaks into my life, uh, what I might do, what it means for me. And it'll probably take me about another year to make it through the end of it, but it's been a really, a really great experience for me. It just so happens that the desert temptations that Pete was talking about last week uh, were in my readings at the same time. And then this week, I've been reading about and praying into what Jesus does right after that desert temptation when he begins his ministry. And so the title of the readings that I've been going through in the last week are, Jesus Begins the Life He Chooses. I love that. I've been so encouraged just in that to think about Jesus' life as being something that he chose, something he wanted to do with it. And of course, we know that, you know, if you look at the Garden of Gethsemane and things like that, there are times when Jesus is really saying, is there a different way that we can do this, right? But Jesus chose everything about his life. He chose to do all these things. It just makes me really encouraged to feel like maybe God is speaking to us because maybe God knew that I was going to be preaching this week. And Pete also touched on this last week, but I just want to bring it to our attention today. There's a lot of choosing that God does in the Bible. Have you noticed that? God chooses to send his only son into the world. God chooses to come be born as a human and save us. Jesus chooses to live his life the way that he did. Jesus even chooses to become a human and stay a human for the rest of eternity. You think about that very often? Before Jesus is born, he does, he's, not, he's not like a human. He's born as a human to be like us, and he has a resurrected body right now, like we will one day have. But he stays that way the whole rest of the way. Jesus chose to be different 
for the rest of eternity for you and me. But God never chooses our life for us. He gives it to us, and then he lets us choose. In today's New Testament reading, Jesus is in a similar situation to Jeremiah that we just looked at in the Old Testament. And Jesus actually refers back to the ways the people of Jerusalem have treated the prophets that God has sent. Luke 13, 31 starts this way. At that time, some Pharisees said to him, they're saying to Jesus, Get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Jesus replied, go tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and the third day I will accomplish my purpose. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must proceed on my way, for it wouldn't do for a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. That's intense. I'm just being really appreciative of Jesus right now. Um, and Jesus says this. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones the messengers of God. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now, look, your house is abandoned, and you will never see me again until you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. You notice how similar, actually perfectly similar, Jesus' heart is for Jerusalem and the people of God as uh, you know, the Father's heart is in the Old Testament? Do you recognize the similarity between Jeremiah the prophet and Jesus, the greatest prophet of all? You know, Jeremiah is telling the people of Jerusalem that God wants them to choose something other than their evil ways, and they get so offended that they want to kill him. And Jesus the greatest prophet of all, is drawing so many people to God and away from the other things that they could be giving themselves to that the rulers and the religious authorities are threatened and they want to kill him. So as Jesus was approaching Jerusalem in this passage, he has already made his choice. He already knows how this is going to happen. Jesus has chosen to lose his life for all of us. And the religious leaders, the politicians, the people in general are in the process of making their choice. And their choice is they would like to keep their lives as they are, as opposed to what Jesus is inviting them into. So Jesus says he's going to keep on sending people from demonic oppression, he's going to keep on healing people, and he knows the people are going to kill him. But Jesus also knows a bunch of things that no one around him seemed to clue in, even though he was saying this to his disciples. Jesus also knows he's going to rise from the dead in three days. He will show that he's conquered death and that he's paid for our sins, everyone's. And he'll offer everyone who wants it forgiveness and new life. Hebrews 12.2 calls Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. I am so glad that Jesus chose to lose his life in this way because it means there's an offer of new life from me and there's an offer of new life for you. 
And even though Jesus lost his life, he returned with a new resurrected life, his own, and also resurrected life for us. And I want to point out that it gave him great joy to do it. It's the reason he did it. The joy of this sort of thing. So remember the verse that we began with where Jesus promises that if you choose to lose your life uh, for him, you'll find it. He knows exactly the kind of thing that he's talking about. This is why we can believe Jesus when he, when he says what comes right after that promise. Matthew 10, uh, 40 through 42 says this, anyone who receives me, it's Jesus, receives the Father who sent me. And if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you'll be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you'll be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. I think that this particularly is what Jesus has to say to us today as RHV. This is a statement about loving God and loving people. Do you notice that? Jesus is saying that there's great reward for us if we listen to what Jesus says and receive him. This is loving God back. This is loving God. And he says that there is a great reward when we sacrifice for each other because he has sacrificed for us. This is loving people. So this is a promise about our church purpose. It's an encouragement. How cool is that? And this is why church family is so important. Here in church is where we learn how to choose to lose our lives in order to receive Jesus. It's one of the very, very best places where that happens. And here in church is also where we learn to choose to lose our lives in specific ways for each other, to love each other. This is where it happens. Is it possible that God is giving you choices today and every day? And is it possible that God hasn't decided everything about your life yet? No choice we make will decide whether God loves us or not because God's love is already decided and can never change. That's super good news. You don't ever have to worry about that. But God is also making it clear that the choices we make decide what kind of life we find. If we choose to lose what God is asking us to lose, we will find the life that God has for us. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for me. And we'll also find the same kind of joy that Jesus found as he laid down his life for the things that God was calling him to do. I want to recognize and commend you today and you people at home. Because if you are joining in today, you chose to lose some stuff in order to make it happen. Maybe it was just like an hour of sleep, right? But you did choose to lose something, right? You could have done something else. Every week you could decide to do something else. But you chose to be here. And it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's commendable. And if you're serving here at RHV, you chose to lose some things in order to make that happen. Right? At the very least, your time. It's some extra time. 
And if you're leading around here, you chose to lose some things to make it happen. You know, here at RHV, we believe that leadership is serving most. Serving people with your life, right? Probably means on the regular, you've got to, like, give up a preference or two of your own. Not my first choice, but this is what it's going to take to serve people and love people. It's a beautiful thing to give those things up. And I was looking at today's psalm in the, in the readings for today, and I actually think that it is a wonderful thing that allows, us to, uh, allows me to pray something for us. So I just want to read it for you first, and then I'd like to pray over us. Psalm 4, 5 through 7 says, Offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust the Lord. Many people say, Who will show us better times? Let your face smile on us, O Lord. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. Sometimes I can lose sight of it, but that is how I feel about my life. God's given me more joy than people who've got a lot of great stuff. Can I pray for us? God, help us offer our whole lives to you again today. Help us trust you, like that psalm says. Help us trust you again today. Remind us again today that you smile on us. And God, give us the great joy of finding our lives in you more and more and more. You want to say amen with me? Amen. All right, I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Prayer people, prayer team people, and uh, School of Kingdom Ministry students, can you kind of get ready to come forward? I'm not going to have you come forward right away. And if I forget to tell you that in a minute or two, I trust you. Please do come forward and be ready to pray for people. And we're going to end our service today like we always do. It's a time to respond to God in worship and prayer. And so this is your place to respond to God. You could respond where you're at. You can come forward and get prayer from the prayer team. Um, the song that we're going to do is actually going to be a place where we can choose God all over again. And so I love that. Um, and uh, our prayer team is trained to pray for you. And so it could be something that I'm talking about this morning. Um, if you want to be supported in that. But we also just believe that God is here to heal and encourage and do the things that only God can do. So you could come forward for any kind of prayer need that you have, and these people will be great at praying for you. So I'm going to leave us today with three tips and a bonus exercise, okay? So here are the tips. I told you what the first thing is. The first tip is to, to read Jeremiah chapter 26 and see what happens with uh, the different people's reaction. There's a king involved, and then there are also the people that are at the temple. Um, and... Uh, and it's, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting thing if you check it out. And then I'm going to encourage you to pray for two things. Some of us probably were feeling something when I talked about losing something that you had no choice but to lose. Okay? I'm going to encourage you to pray for healing and invite healing for the things that you've lost with no choice. Because God cares about those things. He's near you when you are brokenhearted. He doesn't leave you alone to figure it out and get over it, okay? God wants to actually bring you healing and tell you in so many different ways that he cares for and loves you. So pray for healing 
for the things you've lost with no choice. If that's you, you can stop right there. That'll be plenty for today, okay? But um, if there's something else for you today, it might be praying for power to choose to lose what God is calling you to lose. This isn't a try harder thing. This isn't a, oh, I'm going to like reconfigure my life starting now by my own willpower. That will not last. It never has worked for me at least. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of God filling us in order to help us actually choose what God has for us. So pray for the power to choose to lose what God is asking you to lose. And then the do is to actually choose to lose something today or this week, okay? Now, um, I'm hoping that this little exercise that I have for us, which will be very short, might help us identify maybe what God might be asking of us. Uh, I think that these come in some categories. Maybe you're called um, to lose something regarding your possessions or your preferences or your daily pursuits, like the things that you spend your time on. Those are all options. There's also another thing that as I was praying about this that might be something that God might be wanting you to choose to lose. You might be living in fear. You might be living in worry. You might be aware that there is a resistance within you to saying yes to something that God is asking you to do. And you need God's Holy Spirit and help to break the power of that in your life. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes if you want to. You don't have to. It might help you concentrate on this little picture that I want to give you. It's called The Three Persons, and it's, uh, I've adapted it from um, this uh, spiritual director named David Fleming. I invite you to consider three persons. Each is a good person who would like to serve God, and each would like to be free of anything in their life that gets in the way of serving and following Jesus. These are all good people. The first person keeps saying, I would like to stop filling my life with attention to my possessions, preferences, and daily pursuits because they do seem to get in the way of me giving my life unreservedly to God. This person has all kinds of good intentions to follow Jesus, but they're keeping themselves so busy with other things that there can't be a bigger place for God. There's no space. The first person is having a lot of trouble choosing to lose anything. They kind of like to keep it all. The second person says, of course, I want to be free of anything that I have that's getting in the way of relating to God. Maybe if I just work harder or pray more or give more, that would get me there. This person is willing to do a lot of good stuff, but is unwilling to face the real thing that keeps them from giving themselves fully to God. There's actually one thing that God's been talking to them about. It's as if this person is negotiating, saying, God, I'll give you everything else, but I do not want to talk about that. I do not want to give you that. So they're doing a number of really good things, but they're avoiding the honest way of facing God with the real issue. The second person won't choose to lose the one thing keeping them from God right now. I'm having some trouble with that. The third person says, I want to be rid of any attachment that gets in the way of God's invitation to life. I'm not sure what God will be asking of me, but I have given God access to my whole life and my whole heart. So 
I'm listening for what God calls me to do, and I can and will move in the direction of God's call when I hear it. I'm ready and willing to follow God's lead. The third person will choose to lose anything God asked them to lose to find life in God with God's help. God, would you give us the grace to be aware of us like we could be at different times any of these three people. Thank you that your love is for us and that you want to help us. And God, if you're asking us to choose to lose something, would you help us lose it? Would you help us lose it? We want to find life. We want to find joy, the same joy that Jesus Christ has in us, for us. Would you help us, God? We trust you again today. Amen. Our worship team is going to lead us. This is our response time. I'll be happy to see you out in the lobby. Do come forward and get prayer. The Spirit of God is here to help you and help you do and find the life that He